How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Soapstone. My name is Jake. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Dave. How's it going tonight, Dave? It's going swell. That's good. Mm-hmm. Cool. I didn't have a, a thing. I was just going to respond <laughs> and hope that you would right, just kind of jet off. Fill in content. This uh, this podcast is not about content. <laughs> it's about character. The content of our character. <laughs> um, but also, in this case, it is about games as they exist as a service in current year. And some previous years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been going on for a while, actually. <laughs> but it's probably more popular now than, than so in the past. For some people who are less aware, or for people who would have the definition very slightly off mm-hmm. i feel like we should first define games as a service and mm-hmm. what that actually is and what it entails that probably makes sense we should do that yeah do so, you want to pull up wiki quick <laughs> <laughs> so uh in my mind at least and you can you, you can let me know if, if you think of something else but um games as a service is the idea that um you publish a game it gets out there into the ecosystem you probably are developing a community around it and you continue to develop the game and then charge money in, in various ways um, for content to support the game kind of going forward. Yeah. So this kind of shows in some ways as skins or just cosmetics that get out of the games in the way of like, let's say a Dota, Dota 2 battle pass. Right. Mm-hmm. And you have these other unlockables and things that kind of incentivize you to keep playing and getting those unlockables. Yeah. Um, other things might be like a subscription service, such as an MMO, yeah, like World classic. of Warcraft, where it's like, hey, this is the game, but we'll periodically release new content and big expansions to kind of keep you coming back and interested. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of just buying the game, you go through a single player campaign and you're kind of kaput. Yeah, exactly. Not to say people do not replay single player games, but nobody's getting money from me redoing dark souls you know right and it's also like um it's interesting actually dark souls is an interesting example because there exists a quote-unquote kind of single player game experience or like space um where the incentive isn't a hundred percent like focused on multiplayer like an mmo like focused on multiplayer yeah you can do things solo but that's not the point that's (laughs) um and you pay money to be in a space with all of these other people something like dark souls um they provide a service in the form of like the servers i would suppose or uh, dark souls is actually peer-to-peer um but they may have login servers things like that um and then support the game with updates that's probably more of the classical single player experience yeah but it's usually in the form of like a, a patch to fix issues but not usually added content for the free sake of added content. Right. Dark Souls would have, um, they take kind of the traditional, now the traditional uh, approach and release DLC and use that as their their continued uh, content for the game. Like distinct large chunks of content. Yeah. That the player community will come back for. and they kind of put that into the, like, from the business side, they, that's part of the de- development cycle for a lot of single-player games now, is like, hey, you finished Mass Effect or you finished Dark Souls, you did whatever, uh, developed the base game, we shipped that, let's immediately start in on the DLC, we'll release a couple of those, and then um, we'll start working on the next game. Um, that's a lot more of a popular model in the single-player space now. Yeah. But Dark Souls is not charged for those DLCs. So like when Dark Souls 3 happened and there was like a, the Ring City, mm-hmm. that was just something they added to the game. I think they actually did charge for it, though. <laughs> did they? Yeah, it's just we... Uh, a lot of times we went back and we picked the... Um, uh, the collection edition, collector's edition. Or like Scholar of the First Sin for Dark Souls 2 had all the DLC in it. Um and then, like, Game of the Year edition, I think, for first one had all the DLC. I don't remember what they did for the third one, but I, I, I remember each DLC costing around, like, 15, 20 bucks, something like that. Hmm. I, I will say, like, for something like Bioshock, those DLCs definitely did cost money. They did cost money, yeah. They were, they did, I don't think they were as expensive. I think they were... Things used to be relatively cheap uh, in the DLC it's space. Like 10 to 15. Mm-hmm. 
usually getting at least a day's playthrough worth of content. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's kind of, uh, I think, in the olden times, and some games still carry this on, um, but you would see expansion packs more. And there usually wasn't that many. I think uh, Diablo 2. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm immediately jumping to Battle Chess for yeah. Warcraft 3, Diablo 2, Starcraft. Yeah. Um, and those are very substantial. Like, those are large expansions to the game itself. Yeah, Diablo but, added a whole other act. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's two other character classes. Right. Mm-hmm. And then StarCraft obviously had Lurkers, case in point. Yeah, atheists. they added Lurkers. There you go. Uh, that, was, that was the full expansion. <laughs> Brood War, technically. Standalone expansion is an idea that's been around for a while. But these are all kind of like the old style way of developing games. It's much more popular now to run games as a service. And I think one of the reasons for that is businesses need... I mean, money, right? I mean, uh, I would agree that's true. Yes. Yeah. I would like to. Needs money. Like to submit the idea that businesses need money. Approved. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, developers need money. If you're going to be paying people salaries, then it means that you're either making money off of sales in the traditional sense mm-hmm. by constantly developing games, their expansion packs, um, and then new games, um, or uh, the games as a service model is really appealing the idea that you develop a product a game and continually develop that game so people are already familiar with the skill set you don't need to come up with new ips necessarily you Um, just add an expansion to hearthstone and then you say hey if you want you can buy these cards Mm -hmm. and hearthstone is a good example of a um the free-to-play games as a service model like um and that their their money comes all all entirely from the purchase of these packs, these cards, um, and new expansions just bring old players back in. They drum up some interest for new players, um, and yeah, I mean it's taking obviously the card game model, which we've talked about before. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I'm not somebody who gives a shit about Hearthstone, but I've played enough Hearthstone just in a passive way because Blizzard games are still fun. Right. Even if I don't love all of them. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Here's the Storm is never big on. Spent right. some time on it, though. Uh, but with Hearthstone, I've definitely picked up some packs just out of, you know what, I've played this game a little bit. I'd be willing to invest a little bit of money along with my time. Mm-hmm. And I probably spent 80 bucks on Hearthstone. Yeah. And it's a free-to-play game. Yeah. I've spent more <laughs> than I would if I had just bought a, let's say, a new title at, like, 60. Yeah. Right? And it's... Uh... That that really is the trick with games as a service is you're only you're usually only a few steps away from spending a lot of money should you wish to. There's only so much money you can spend legally and according to the terms of service for Diablo two, right? By the game, by the expansion. Yeah. There you go. Um Hearthstone you can spend a lot of money on. And when I played it, I spent hundreds of dollars over the course yep. of my, my playtime with a lot on a lot of packs. And um like I'm taking a break from it now. I'm not really spending any money on it. The last money I spent on it was like for single player adventures, things like that. But I thought were were fun and why not, you know, support it if I like the idea. So like, is this a model you think is you like just in the way as far as like business practice or is this something that you dislike as far as if you have like that itch right. and they're like, Hey, you here's like a, whole gallon of back scratchers. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just, it's just lotion. lotion. <laughs> um, it's actually itchy. It's itching powder. Like, uh, ooh, ah. Right. Well, that's the problem is like modern companies have this sort of, that's actually a great analogy. I'm going to, I'm going to break that down a little bit. Um, I like when people can buy uh, back scratchers. I hate when companies throw itching powder at you to motivate you to buy uh, back scratchers. Mm-hmm. Like there's a popular Activision um, patent, uh, I think it was Activision. I'm, I'm almost entirely certain it was Activision that people were talking about where they um, patented the idea of in a competitive game, uh, you put people up against people that are ranked higher than you or better players, higher uh, ELO, personal skill, whatever. And um, should you buy, purchase microtransactions, buy an item, buy a weapon, you then put place that player against lower level weaker opponents let you dominate them a while 
and then uh, restart the loop. Oh wow, that's kind of dirty. That's that's the itching powder. Yeah, it's kind of like a man. You kind of feel like a weak little weak old punk, don't you? Mm-hmm. You should drink this uh, super cool the beer that all the bros are drinking. Come hang out with the big boys. Yeah, it's it's honestly super super shady. I like when games um, provide you a convenience, but don't just they don't change the the power dynamic. I know there's dissenting opinions on that. Some people. Um, I think can make a strong strong argument that like cosmetics in themselves are content. Um, it might not make you better at the game, but uh, seeing your character look cool, it have can cooler animations, your enjoyment. Exactly, it's content in its own way. Um, even if that content doesn't mean that you know you have an advantage over your opponents, um, it, like you said, it enriches your enjoyment and it gets you more invested in the game. And sometimes things just look really cool, like. Uh, people buy things because they're cosmetic all the time. Um, we can go back and talk about Dota 2 if you'd like. Um, <laughs> so, like, since we mentioned the Battle Pass already, um, that obviously has things in it. You get stuff as you level, whether it be skins or tokens or other ways to level up your Battle Pass. Yeah. Or just cool map stuff, whatever. But then they have like these milestones for like at level 255, you get this cool tiny skin. I'm like, oh, neat. Mm-hmm. At like 300, you get this. At 500, you get this. I'm like, yeah. man, I'm not sure not playing Dota that fast or that frequently and winning that often to complete quests and level up the thing. Yeah. And I think that, that may, you could make an argument that that's some, some minor form of itching powder. You're not like. I would say, Yeah. It's the difference Slightly. between what you have and what you could have that sells a lot of um, battle passes, a lot of levels, a lot of season passes in other games, things like that. Yeah, it's kind of the, as far as incentivization, it is incentivizing? Incentivizing. I feel like incentivization, incentivization. is the word, yeah. Impregnation. Right, anyway. impregnation. Mm-hmm. Like, in in your case, mind. It always <laughs> provides a way for you to achieve that normally. Right. But you really have to grind at it. Mm-hmm. And they usually pace away where it's like you're, you'd have to sink serious time and optimizations as far as planning out your quests. And oh, I'll do this here to complete these two sub objectives at once. And then I'll also versus, oh, let me just spend like 15 bucks. Right. And you can close a major gap. Right. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm going to do a split in Dota 2 because I definitely want to play with people. I might play some extra on my own just try and level it up but i don't have the time patience or energy to do everything but at the same time if there's like a skin for a character i really want that's kind of gated behind a higher level i want to invest in it a little bit right whether or not that's a good idea that is that itching powder in a way yeah and this i feel like this is separate from the whole loot boxes gambling argument we've been over in the past like you can go back, listen to like our DLC episode or um, our loot box episode. Can we, can we reference other episodes in every single episode? I do, have, yeah. And our, if you go back and listen to our first episode, we actually reference our <laughs> zeroth episode. Yeah. We have a continuity going on. It's establishing the lore of Soapstone Podcast. We're, we're a fucking linked list of episodes. <laughs> the previous episodes won't exist if we don't reference them in the current episode. Right. Mm-hmm. This is how we remind people that there's more than just the latest episode. That's, that's how you get them. But uh, the number should also give it away. <laughs> right. No, that's arbitrary. Oh, man. Uh, someone pointed out one of the numbers is wrong. Go back, listen to all our episodes, find out where the um, number is wrong, and uh, you win a prize. And the prize is accomplishment for having. <laughs> we might mention out. your name on the podcast and <laughs> say some one nice thing about you. Fi- found out which, uh, which numbers are out of order. Because um, I, I renumbered them. I didn't even them. catch that, honestly. I, yeah, I didn't know either. I reordered them in the new series. Um, but because I was going to start over with uh, season two, I was going to start over at like episode one or whatever. Oh, gotcha. And then I went back, changed my mind, and I kept the episode number increasing because um, it allows it to be a unique identifier regardless of the season. So you kind of get best of both worlds. Exactly. Um, but yeah, we're not talking about loot boxes necessarily or the gambling effect therein um, and that whole debate. And I mean, I feel like that's, that's all valid. Um, but uh a lot of games running as a service you know this is how they make their money this is how they pay their developers like if you're 
if you're a gamer, which is a weird word now, I guess, uh, then you should be in favor of developers getting paid. People need to make their money somehow. You know, you can't have literally everything for free, uh, but there, there also has to be a balance. Like you were, you were mentioning Dota 2. Um, sometimes I've spent considerably more money than I should have back when I spent money on Dota 2 cosmetics because I wanted like those Enigma bracers for Black yeah. Hole or something like that. that. Um, and it is in its own way, you know, kind of, kind of skeevy, like a little bit, it's a little bit slimy to be like, here's all the cool stuff you don't have. Give us hundreds of dollars and you get it. It's fully within their rights, but as a consumer, you also get to choose what's okay and what's not. I mean, it's kind of the same way where you, I mean, I guess any marketing, they want to make their thing look bright and shiny and cool. And if you're one of the cool people, you will buy and or use this product. Mm -hmm. Oh, look at all these people who are like drinking a a Heineken and having a grand old time. (laughs) I was like, that's not, everybody fucking hates Heineken. (laughs) I think I think in a, another interesting aspect here is we've largely we've talked about like cosmetics. Something Valve's also started to do a little bit more is attach features to their uh, battle passes. Are you um, talking about as far as like the custom game modes that come up? I mean, the, the custom games. That's a really good example of it. I don't think that those have been massively reviewed well by the community, but and they're it's, they're a pissy community. Yeah, and it's some it's, are fun, some are kind of lackluster. Yeah, and it's something you can buy into. I'm talking more about um, uh, community-desired features. Things like, um, I think they had a roll queue or something like that uh, initiated, like that you only had access to if you'd purchased uh, a battle pass or specific ranked queue, queue modes that were mm. only available to you if you were um, if you had the pass. Um, and that's when it starts to get a little bit more sketchy to me. Because you're you're locking game, you are locking gameplay um, methods kind of behind these these paywalls. But I mean, it's up to the consumer to decide what you really are fine with. Um, and they'll continue to make twenty five to thirty million dollars like every year for the international. That's not going to change. Yeah, they have their core audience for sure. I would say honestly, though, I'm fine with Dota's model. Partially, that is definitely biased because I enjoy the game. I follow some of the community and like the pro team. Yeah. And the pro scene. I'm invested in that world for sure. And so, like, every time it comes out, unless it's like pure garbage, I'm going to invest some money, invest some time, and a little bit of extra money because I'm dumb and/or not sober at the time. Mm-hmm. And it seems like a cool idea. Right. Um, some other things that I would say are less viable in my eyes. Mm-hmm are things where, I mean, we have to go back to talk about something like Fallout 76 right, mm-hmm. or No Man's Sky or something where it's like, hey, here's this base game. And people are like, where's the rest of the game, though? Yeah. And then those were kind of like dumpster fires where like a lot of patches happened to get to a more stable state. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of another game that's kind of, they release something, but a lot of it's gated behind. Probably something in EA's space. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I mean, obviously Battlefront 2 is notorious for microtransactions and some other things. I think it's. I think you could make a strong argument that the rise of games as a service has opened the door largely to incomplete games uh, shipping with the idea that um, they will be completed. And that uh, you shouldn't judge them until they kind of are completed. Well, so an example of an iterative game that I'm going through currently is Hades. Right. Mm-hmm. It's in beta. I got it at like a flat price of like either 20 or 30 bucks. And they keep adding stuff to it. Yeah. And I don't get charged each time. I own the game. So any updates that I get, just they come in for free. Yeah. It's almost like a Kickstarter plus, really. Because you have access to the game. It's, well, I say that. It has actual terms, early access, right? Yeah, I think that's yeah. a better way to say. Because <laughs> that's what people call it. <laughs> that's what the industry calls it. But, um, I mean, that I feel like that's fine for for some developers. Like, I, there are people who are against it entirely. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, we've talked, we've had thoughts on, on early access before. Um, 
but some developers use early access as a games as a service um, uh, mode, essentially. This idea that like they're going to have income early allows them to kind of fund the game and then they continue to fund development by drumming up interest through the entire duration. Um, and then they have a finished product at the end. Um, that's kind of novel as far as the history of games is concerned. There used to be a large barrier of entry to like start making a game or to get a game to go gold, to actually ship it, have it on a disc. You had to be able to sustain yourself through the entire process just based off of investors or your publishing company or what have you. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessary anymore if you can drum up enough hype to run your game as a service as uh, Supergiant has with Hades. But would you prefer playing Hades now and you get these iterative updates and kind of keeps having you go back or would you rather have let's say Hades is completed in nine months mm-hmm. it's a full-fledged game has let's say 30 hours of content and you just digest that at whatever pace but you have access to everything at once it's actually kind of a loaded question uh because i think most people would prefer i think most people would prefer you know the 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 final game if you have if you were just never to be aware of the game until it was actually announced people like having the final game bethesda has actually to their credit they've done that in the past um they've been like hey here's a new game it's available this q4 get hyped like they've done that with fallout multiple times yeah um and i think that's that's awesome you get to immediately cash in your hype for money buy the game and uh and, and run with it play it completely out um the trick, I think, with developing games as a service, um, not necessarily for the Hades model. Hades is probably doing it in a relatively healthy way where they've specifically designed the game to be built on these layers where mm-hmm. they can continue to add more content. It's not like they're going to go back and be like, oh, and now we've added combat and update four or whatever. Yeah. Right? Like The game's there. It's entirely playable. Uh, it's just being fleshed out. But there are games, um, and you see these on things like um, like Patreon or uh, other subscriber-based services, where the developers almost have a disincentive to put that cap on the game uh, because there's people who are paying monthly for its development. I feel like that's a... It's really cool that exists. Like It but, is cool that like you can be a part of a community... And like fun that and see that happen. It's part of the joy of like backing games. Mm-hmm. Like Psychonauts Two is something I'm a backer for. It's like twenty bucks, twenty five bucks type right. thing. Nothing crazy. But you don't pay monthly. Yeah, but, <laughs> I thought you were about to say, but I actually do. <laughs> Tim Schafer just has my bank account number. Um, <laughs> but I mean, as far as it is cool to be invested in that, whether it be like games or anything else you're like actively contributing to yeah with your patreon for like sir action slacks to fund his schemes i feel is the yeah, only way to schemes put that. is probably a good word for it um evil plans midas mode that's basically what you're yeah. finding <laughs> but like that's really cool but you i feel like it has to be marketed up front like hey this is exactly what this is mm-hmm. um because obviously I and everybody else would hate you get something it's like hey here's this complete game you're like cool I'm gonna pre-order that I'm really excited and then it's kind of not yeah and then you still have to pay extra money for DLCs or other content where it's like oh this now kind of makes an actual game versus a half-assed remodel Assassin's Creed or something like that (laughs) and I feel like game critics largely like they still they still pick up on that um, for AAA games for single player games that launch. If you launch and you don't have any content, you've got day one day one DLC. That's a lost fight. Like that'll continue to happen. No one's gonna deduct too many points for it. Um, but like they'll still critically pan games that are incomplete at launch. It's the games that have this continual development cycle that are you know taking money from people's accounts each month for patreon or whatever mm-hmm. those are the ones where the developer is less incentivized to actually put a cap on it and get it out the door um like a mario cap or something like that <laughs> wits hat into the wall <laughs> <laughs> um but that's 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 kind of like 
maybe perhaps a fringe uh, side of games as a service. I think games as a service has largely exploded because of how profitable it is and how much more money you can get off somebody if uh, you are not limiting their purchase op- options to just uh, 50 or I guess $60 across all consoles now uh, for the, the price tag of your game. And the all-in-one. Yeah, it is crazy. Um, I was listening to somebody else's podcast on YouTube mm-hmm. talking about a similar subject, aka the same one. Um, mm-hmm. And they were saying that I think The Division 2 sold X amount of copies. And then the fact that they had or were utilizing some of the games as a service model, mm-hmm. they got an additional like 45% yeah. on like the second release of content for that game. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's news. It shouldn't be really be news to anyone that free games make considerably more money than paid games on average, which sounds insane, but it's not at all. Like, obviously, you have whales. You have people who will drop a lot of money on things. You have GTA Shark cards. Like that's where Rockstar just gets a stupid amount of their money is people just buy currency, and they're mostly single player games that have like a multiplayer component. Yep. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting trend. I don't know if it's entirely healthy from my perspective. Um, I don't think it betters the community in any way. Yeah. There's actually, I can think of another example for games as a service. Uh, we've already talked about Blizzard a little bit. Like we talked, we've talked about their loot boxes for Overwatch in the past. Right. Um, we had an episode on Starcraft, but we didn't talk about the, uh, the co-op necessarily that is actually what i would believe to be a good um example of games as a service in the form that like they have people who are still developing starcraft uh co-op commanders and you can play them up to like level five and there's 15 levels total as they're like unlocking skills and things and once you get up to level five it's like hey give us five dollars and you now own the commander you can level them up the rest of the way mm-hmm if you started playing StarCraft right now and you're like, I'm super addicted, I'm going to buy all of these, that would actually be like a lot of money. It would be basically like the price of, I'm trying to think of how many. Another StarCraft? Yeah, another StarCraft. Well, I mean, there are some like base commanders who are free, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Defaults. And you can play all of them up to level five. So like, I think you get the first three uh, with no purchases, three or four with no purchases. And then you would, you would need to buy the rest. But that doesn't bother me as a professional gamer because um i have a lot of fun in the mode i get to try out the commanders before i commit to buying them there's there's been one that i played and i was like ah got to level five ah, i'm not really feeling it like i'm gonna i have more fun with other characters i'm not gonna buy this one uh it was han and horner for the uninitiated and <laughs> your description of it made me not want to and i was like okay yeah. so i just haven't tried yet um but like the same way you're willing to um, spend some money on Dota periodically, uh, you know, unlock that quest content, unlock some of those game modes, custom modes, uh, cosmetics, things like that. I'm perfectly fine throwing th- $5, um, you know, each quarter maybe or something like that at StarCraft to play the latest uh, commander. Um, it's just, it's fun. I enjoy the game. And um, for the time spent in it, that cost is quite low to me. Imagine if I spent any money in Binding of Isaac <laughs> or Dota 2. That game's literally free. That game saves you money every time you play it, Binding of Isaac. It's true. I think it like cost, for all the games, maybe 30 bucks total. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's... How many hours do you have in Binding of Isaac now? This isn't going to be a legitimate this number, I'll say. This is a very skewed number because a lot of times I wouldn't close out games. Yeah. But it's like notorious around 3,000. Yeah, 3,000. Which is higher than Dota, which is probably around like 2,500. That's uh, like we're getting into the years basically that you've yeah. had Binding of Isaac open. It's kind of funny. But just keep keep pumping that number up. But again, it goes back to the I have the initial investment, mm-hmm. but when new stuff is added, if it's a game or game mode that I already kind of enjoy, I'm much more likely to go back to it. Oh, they had a new character in Dota 2? How the fuck do they fit into the meta? How's this going to change the pro scene? Yeah. How's it going to change the pub scene? What skins are they going to get when the next thing comes out? Mm-hmm. 
and like i'm super on board right and there, there, you can actually use uh free content as a boost to your paid content uh for games as well like when um mmos are kind of cheating as an example but when an mmo expansion comes out subscriber numbers surge in response to that because there's people who were invested in the game want to see the new content but um, people who were like this might not be saying they're like oh it actually seems kind of cool mm-hmm. i might check it out yeah or like uh you're making money from the expansion sales but you're also making secondary money from the actual subscriptions um and there are there are some games that uh actually release free content very um so like on our list we have games like uh, path of exile and and warframe Mm-hmm. two games that have tremendous amounts of free content and they use that to push their um well they don't use that to push their microtransactions that sounds aggressive but they keep their audience um engaged so that they're available for the microtransactions yeah like path of exile has a metric fuck ton of cool ass cosmetics that people have made or if you're doing like late game shit you might want more inventory space. You can like trade around those high level and end tier items. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think you start out with three pages worth of inventory. Like in, in the stash. Yeah. 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 And I mean, those are like some convenience things you could argue some of like that falls under gameplay, but I mean, I, I think it's fine. It's not predatory to the extent that some games run with it. Um, and I prefer the paid model with a very solid base game that isn't like, and here's the gate where we're just going to squeeze you until you spend money. Um, not a fan of that at all. I would much rather be enjoying the game so much that I want to spend money on it. Yeah, which is where I feel that like cosmetics fit into the scene nicely. If I'm enjoying the fuck out of this game, I'm more likely to throw some money at it mm-hmm. for further enjoyment look at my cool dude he has like a a dildo necklace it's awesome <laughs> or whatever it may be right um what would you say is the most egregious example right now of predatory games as a serviceness i think so i don't have an example from a game but i have an example of the um the situation the game would set up and that's one where they and this is very popular it's very popular you open with a free game that uh doesn't have any like limitations on it as far as your your gameplay mechanics uh, that you feel that you experience until it reaches a point where you're already committed to the game you're having fun you're in that initial video game endorphins rush or whatever where you're enjoying yourself and then they hit you with a gate and they're like be so much better if you threw some money our way it's like hey you've been left clicking furiously wouldn't it be great if the sensor bar went away and like (laughs) you got me (laughs) it's it's the kind of the issue there is it's the opposite of what i was i was saying before it's just they front load kind of the enjoyment and the content and then they force you to pay to finish out that endorphin rush um the game hasn't proven itself yet it's like going through a quest and you're like oh, here's the boss battle at the end of this quest that I've worked for. And then the demo's like, all right, you're done. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, it's the full blue ball. It just cuts <laughs> it off. Exactly. And it's effective. It's an effective strategy to get people to spend money. Um, the other thing that really bothers me, um, Russell's my jimmies, is um, it's there's a couple uh, publishers who have been pushing microtransactions for single player games more um and that's that's something i don't want to see caught catch on at yeah. all <laughs> like please no <laughs> i don't understand it from the context of a single player game because mm-hmm. usually if i get like a cool skin in overwatch or something that i got from a loot box i don't really buy loot boxes just from like playing and like leveling up very very slowly i've got one or two cool things it is fun to like play with your friends and show it off. Yeah. Like, oh, you got that cool thing? That looks so cool. You did, did you all get to play the game? Awesome. Great. Right. But if I'm doing something like, again, Dark Souls is not the best example. Mm-hmm. Let's say I'm playing Sonic Adventure Battle 2. Mm-hmm. That actually be hilarious with cosmetics. Right. Um, the graphics actually. are so shitty. 
but like that i feel should be just a part of the game i don't mm. see why you go back and be like oh well we added these holographic uh sims skins yeah <laughs> you're like yeah i'm totally gonna cover all the babies in this like why yeah one of the examples we had here was um uh, deus ex uh mankind divided i believe it was had um purchasable praxis in the single player mode where you could just open up the screenix store and uh spend real money and get more skill points um that's really sketchy in a game where you could literally also just cheat like this isn't like cheating in a multiplayer game this is cheating in a single player game which i feel like has different ethics um in order to just get skill points the game also just threw plenty of them at you um and you're basically saying hey some of our people some of the people playing this game are going to have poor impulse control or they just won't have the time or they'll just want an easier experience let's uh let's catch some dumbasses with a quick pay to win and see who we see who bites yeah i mean like you're literally spending money on something that goes away when you create a new save the idea of that is just mind-boggling to me and hey, Jake, uh, not all save slots are free. Can we talk about that? Right, yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah, exactly, right. It's one of my favorite egregious examples of what the actual fuck did, how did nobody say, this is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Your consumers and audience base might not appreciate this. But um, was it two years ago now that uh, Metal Gear Survive, Survive mm-hmm. was like, hey, um, it's pretty standard for every game to have at least three save slots. Right. This one had one, and you could buy up to three yeah. at the cost of $10 per save slot. Check yeah. my math on that. that. And that's kind of the issue, I think, with games as a service is there's nothing wrong with making money, large asterisk. But uh, if your game exists as a platform for you to make money in the future and it doesn't stand on its own, like you're so far removed from this idea we had of buy a game own a game you're buying a product you're having fun with it um that it becomes its own issue when people are trying to make money off of you yeah and the other thing is again you're not being transparent as far as saying up front hey at this price point you will get all of these things yeah like back in the day if you got a sound old as fuck now if right. you bought like a physical game from like a game store mm. maybe you got something that was used your bazooka which, you bubble know, gum in your, your game <laughs> <laughs> that's why i kept the box closed is the the adhesiveness of the gum a few penny candies <laughs> but like you have that physical copy and i still have if you look over that box uh, against mm. the wall all right look to the wall viewers for, for the audio listeners oh. <laughs> Like, I have... It's a combination of, like, PS4 games, PS2 games, and a couple of GameCube games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But a lot of those I've had for a long time. Or I rebought them because the original got destroyed. Mm-hmm. But those are things that I have and I have nostalgic value for, for. And nobody can fucking take from me. And it has everything consolidated in one package, which is the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do I wish that they went back and added content onto it? Maybe for some, right? but it kind of cheapens the experience. And some, it's like having a Star Wars movie and you're like, hey, we're going to make some changes. Right. Yeah, they just kept making Star Wars movies. They really just never stopped. They should have just made one. One Star Wars movie. There you go. Done. Controversial yeah. opinion. I don't actually hold that opinion, but still. Um, yeah, it's how, how far we've come from that to the point where uh, games as a service, like you have a box, you have a box you can always go back to, you can play those games whenever you want. Even the games that exist as games of a service that we enjoy, so like Path of Exile uh, in comparison to Diablo 2, mm, maybe a bad example. Diablo 2, still have to sign into Battle.net for, but uh, you can lose everything you've spent money on in Path of Exile if they're ever just like, hey, company went under and we're going to drop it. A lot of people would just lose significant investment monetarily that they like have spent money on cosmetics. Um, there are other games that are, I'm not trying to pick out that one game. This is yeah, an example. Um, but any ex- game that exists as a service, you you can lose all of that like immediately. Overwatch doesn't have a single player component. If it ever drops, then you know all of that money I spent on cosmetics is gone. Yeah, gone. yeah. Um, and that's you know 
something that I don't think people think about a lot, especially since games have... Well, you don't expect things that are in the cloud gaming space to fail. Right. Because it's in the cloud. But I feel like in a more middle ground space for the average consumer, you might have like an online gaming service like Xbox Live mm-hmm. or other things where it's like, hey, or I on get access live. to these. <laughs> yeah. Online doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> like you have these... Uh, free games you might have access to and mm-hmm. maybe it's like on a rotating cycle oh yeah maybe you just have it as long as you have the subscription going mm-hmm. but then once that's gone it's gone yeah it's not something that you were transactionary like saying hey i will give you this you will give me this we're good yeah they're not coming back like hey uh i got this new stuff you want to try it yeah it's like it's hard not to make the comparison to drug dealers because i know it's <laughs> a money hungry or very capitalistic aspect of it yeah mm-hmm. which again is a good incentive for the company's decision but i feel will always or typically will adversely impact the community or the consumer yeah and you you can make a strong argument like you're talking about um xbox live playstation plus like there's all services that give you access to a lot of free games you could save money if you're planning on buying all of those games but you don't own them in the end. Like you said, as soon as your subscription lapses, you lose access to them. That is the definition of games as a service. Yeah, fuck Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Games as a service, Netflix. Come on. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 a line kind of the consumer has to decide when enough is enough, like what people are comfortable with and what the market can bear to make things sound way more sophisticated than they actually are for this for this podcast and the 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 reality of it is um like a lot of games on the list here that fall under games as a service mmos like i've had fun with them a lot of fun with them those are games as a service um things that uh i don't own in this new modern brave new world um in the gaming space that maybe go away someday i've still had fun with them and i feel like i'm yeah yeah it's like maybe hearthstone a little bit less (laughs) i spent too much money for the fun i got out of hearthstone but um even even games like dota where i spent a lot of money eventually i got tons of fun out of it and if dota completely dropped off the face of the world tomorrow and just was completely inaccessible and all the money i spent on it was irretrievable i would still probably say worth yeah hashtag worth maybe maybe i wouldn't have gotten the bracers maybe i wouldn't have got the enigma bracers but overall i had a fun experience and it's kind of like like a movie theater right that isn't a temporary experience you see the movie you spend a lot of money had a good time and you're done maybe that's okay you know maybe it's okay is it okay? I, I ask Dave. <laughs> I fucking ever hate saying the phrase, it depends. It's like, I can't make up my decision. Well, but it's I a good like phrase. There's, like, there's an <laughs> argument that can be made in both cases for almost most situations, right? Yeah. So I'd say in one case, yeah, with like a movie, I'm totally fine. Like I know I'm getting into. And also for me, it's not something that I'm going to want to re-experience yeah for me it's like a one-time deal whereas with a game if it's a game that i enjoy that's not single player and has replayability whether it be something rng happens maybe there's events and maybe like an mmo space Mm -hmm. something seasonal yeah or like dlc to bring me back winter theme yeah gib dire tide please (laughs) (laughs) um Again, it just harkens back to whether or not I enjoy the game in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, developers, if it was yeah. like aggressively monetization hungry, mm-hmm. and I'm not feeling that, that's something that I would personally opt out of. Yeah, um, and probably would also condemn to a degree. Mm-hmm. But I can't really speak for other people as far as what they feel works for them. Right. That's probably why they're so successful, is because that line exists in a different place for, for each person. But like, you're always going to have people who that line is like right <laughs> under their shoes and they're right. gonna fucking trip over it, you know? Yeah, it's uh, 
and, and many games have uh, an entire tiered set of microtransactions or what have you to appeal to the entire group. Like, yeah, you can spend, I don't know, maybe like 15, 10 bucks on loot boxes, probably 10 bucks on the minimum in Overwatch, but you could also spend 80 bucks, like a, a fail swoop and get like a overall bonus to the number of boxes you get or something like that, right? So the fucking, uh, do you remember when the bonus cards were just for like, oh, you've gotten 10 hoagies? This one's on us. Right, yeah, the punch cards. <laughs> yeah, it's like literally here's like a 10% value thing over this many times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, why aren't we getting hoagies for playing video games? That's my question. I just want to be rewarded for all my uh, try-hardery. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. No, I'm saying I have three arteries. No. <laughs> try-artery. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a very interesting space. And, I mean, we'll find out where this goes in the future. Like, are all games going to turn into this kind of support the IP, single release sort of cash grab? There, there have been games, actually, this is another point, hmm. um, where the fact that a game has come out as a service has actually prevented single-player content from coming out. good example of this is going back to WoW. Um, also, uh, The Old Republic. Um, these are two MMOs that basically single-handedly prevented single-player content from ever being developed for the games because the business executive decided it would, probably correctly, it would be more financially viable to dump everything into this service. So mm-hmm. how much how much does that bother you that IPs that you care about could turn into a single game run as a service that never makes like a huge technological jump kind of falls behind the times um, and is maintained in that state uh, as opposed to a new release. I'm trying to think of a game I like now. Right. Our, our actual set of games that we play is kind of like condensed down a bunch. A, a theoretical example would be um, maybe they don't develop Dota 3 because Dota 2 sticks around. Maybe that works because of how, where we're at with technology too. I feel that they can keep adding on to that kind of ad, ad infinitum. Mm-hmm. It's evolved so much. Like if you watch some OG videos, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. And it has changed a lot. So I'm fine with that in that space. It definitely impacts like IPs I care about. Like you mentioned Fallout 76. The idea that they may not develop another Fallout game because they would rather have it be dlc for 76 hurts me deeply yeah because i was gonna get to this point anyway i feel like they've lost like the heart of the narrative mm-hmm. we're just like oh well if they want that single player old fallout shit they can just we'll eventually give that to them mm-hmm. but it's different from buying morrowind for like 20 bucks yeah and going and having that fucking full-ass rpg experience yeah so if I take a game series that I love, like Bioshock, mm-hmm. and that Bioshock Infinite had two DLCs, Burial at Sea was one. Mm-hmm. And then there was another one that would count up to two. I don't remember what the other one is. Uh, Burial at Sea is the only one I remember. Yeah, which is Burial at Sea. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I know that there is, there's been several DLCs for that series. But it, it hasn't been blocked off. It hasn't been like, we'll never make another Bioshock because of the Bioshock MMO is eating all yeah. the content. But like for me, I like having that standalone content Yeah. that I can look back at and kind of like a piecemeal. I watched this movie. I really enjoyed that movie I watched like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. It stood on its own. It had content that I appreciated and nothing else can tarnish that. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, subreddits. Um, <laughs> But, like, it will live on in that space. You you can't go back and edit it. You can make your commentary this way or that. Yeah. But that was it. That was my experience. And I'm not... You're not going to water down things by, like, well, we should probably have a sixth season, yeah, guys, because uh, it's still making money. <laughs> that actually happens in, in single-player games, uh, too. This this watering down, this addendum to, to make more money. Um a lot of single player games have a multiplayer component and that's where the microtransactions come in. That's where the, as a service, like how we get a little bit more money out of this game really comes in to varying levels of craziness. 
but like Mass Effect Andromeda. I mean, that already evokes a lot of thoughts, right? But it had a multiplayer mode, which was fine, mm-hmm. I guess. Some people actually really got into it and that you could buy, you know, loot boxes or whatever for it. Had nothing really to do with the single player content. It may have had some microtransactions that were optional. Um, but a lot of games run that model now where it's like, hey, single player that opposes, like that um, hits our core base multiplayer and we'll throw some microtransactions in there and at the end of the day they end up making a lot of money off of the microtransactions and the service part that's built on top of the single player it's not full-on mmo this is now our ip is just maintaining this mmo i wish i wish there was another knights of the old republic but i'm not so much a fan of the mmo and there won't be as long as the mmo exists we crap on Bethesda a lot, I think, <laughs> and rightly so. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. But like one one thing they've kind of done in this space that I don't hate is, because the game hasn't come out yet and they haven't given me reason to hate it yet, is um, they have The Elder Scrolls Online, and they're still developing Elder Scrolls 5, 6. <laughs> 6. 6, yeah. There's a V. I was like, what is the V? That's, that's 4. No, that's a 5. <laughs> Thanks, Grand Theft Auto. Skyrim, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're developing the single player game and they're not letting the fact that they have a MMO take away from their single player IP. Exactly. Yeah. Which they probably will do for Fallout and I will remain sad. Yeah. It does look like it's going that way. And I feel that overall the games of the service will definitely persist. I want to say more so in the AAA space. Because mm-hmm. um, usually the indie space model has been, yeah. <laughs> we, I don't mean this in a negative way, but like crap out small games. Yeah, that are kind of like, here's this tight little idea. Here's some cool music to go with it. Here's this fun experience, mm-hmm. and it's like a small package. They're not trying to get you with these over the top cinematics and adding in these Hans Zimmer scores to your Call of Duty. Yeah. Or try and introduce like a multiplayer aspect. Mm-hmm. They also uh, in the indie space, they a lot of times can't afford the service. They can't like they literally don't have the yeah. complexity to throw multiplayer into their game. They can't you know maintain a community, turn it into a sub MMO or something like that. I kind of like that you brought up the indie space though, um, because we've have we have had this discussion about like how AAA space is done, games as a service, all that. There's this weird niche. Um, that exists of games that stay under development for almost forever, essentially, and they continually get better. Not always indie games, but it seems like a lot of the time that's the case. Where they're technically games as a service, but they don't make microtransaction money. And um, I can think of some right off the top of my head. Dwarf Fortress. Yeah, Dwarf Fortress. <laughs> Very popular. Dwarf Fortress is an amazing example. I was actually going to go for Minecraft, and you went for the more hipster of the two. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, as I've said on many a previous podcast, got Minecraft for like 20 bucks in college. Yeah. Um, the other day I was fucking riding on dolphins. What up? Yeah. It's magical. It's a, it's a completely different game than what it was at launch. I mean, obviously, Microsoft owns uh, Mojang now. Yeah. So it's you can't really file them under indie. But, but I mean, like, when they have expanded in that space, they've made separate games. There's going to be the Minecraft co-op dungeon crawler. Yeah. They had some... <laughs> Telltale game. Minecraft. <laughs> yeah. The, is that the story one? The Telltale? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. How are they doing, by the way? I know. Um, it's going to work. <laughs> Staying above <laughs> Oh man, it's dark humor. But yeah. Yeah, like Microsoft or I was gonna say Microsoft. Minecraft hasn't had an expansion. They probably could have sold one. They literally could have been like, hey, here's another expansion, it's twenty bucks. And I would have bought it. Yeah, and I probably would have bought it too. And I respect them for not doing it and just continuing with free content and living off of the sales of the sales of literally everyone in the entire world owning Minecraft. How would you feel if, let's say, Minecraft Alpha? Mm-hmm. Oh, I hear the songs already. Um, Twenty bucks, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say a couple years down the road, 
you have Minecraft 3.6 or something. Yeah. How would you feel if that was charged at 30 bucks? Because X amount of content has been added in that time frame. Like they re-release it with all of the content or this is all of the content. It's not included in the original version. Plus all of this is now $30. I would say like if you bought the initial game at that initial price point, you're still getting the updates. Mm -hmm. If you buy in now, you get the current game. Okay. You'll still continue to get the other updates. But because you didn't get it at base where it was kind of less content, mm-hmm. would you be willing to pay more at that point? I think this actually or would exists. You say that is, hmm. I think the price for Minecraft has changed over the years. I think it's gone up a little bit. It's like five or ten bucks, something like that in the US. I remember the first time I bought it, I had to convert to Euros because I couldn't buy it with US dollars. So I think I ended up spending more. It was a long time ago, I can't remember, but I mean, they can pick whatever the price is, I guess. That doesn't bother me too much. I think the consumer at that point can make the decision. Mm-hmm. Minecraft has always been a really good $4 purchase for the time we can get out of it and the full mod community and all that nonsense we've covered in the dedicated podcast episode on the soapstone. Um but but yeah, like other games exist in that space. Uh Factorio is not nineteen ninety nine. It's twenty dollars on the dot for some reason, mm-hmm. and that has been under development since the dawn of time. I think there's like Big Bang, and then there's just a developer who's like hammering rail tracks together, made Factorio, um, like Starbound, Terraria. Just very very recently announced that they were going to stop development. And I thought that game was done years ago. <laughs> like I'm I'm scared to. Th- think about starting a terraria it's like when you go on vacation you're like oh that was nice and you come back to the office and you see somebody there you're like hey you got in a little bit early they're like i haven't left (laughs) yeah yeah and i i feel like out of all of these kind of nope these paths developers can take perhaps this is the most the most noble path maybe that doesn't make it the correct path but the most consumer centric path is i will continue to support my game I will make it so good, so worth it, and generate continual hype to the point where the sales never drop off. It's not like a AAA shooter title where sales start three weeks later, or the following Christmas. Mm-hmm. It would probably want to be sales spike and then end, and it's done. I like, think Jimmy has an Xbox. <laughs> yeah. Stop it, Grandma. It's It's not even my name. Got a classical Game Boy. (laughs) Stop buying them Xbox games. Um, I think that's probably that's a hard path to take, and AAA studios can't really do it because they have so many mouths to feed, so to speak, and the executives have so large of mouths. But uh, you know, for indie indie companies, um, indie studios, people like people who make Terraria, Starbound. they can sustain that, you know, for like all they can live off of continual sales of a game sales. I don't know why I can't say that of a game uh, that has already been published, came out years ago and is continually made better. So it's cool. I like that that exists. Yeah, but it is that noble path, as you were saying. I know it's not viable for a lot of people. Yeah, but like, mm-hmm. As a consumer bystander and somebody who's not in the industry, it's idyllic, right? Yeah. Um, because I would love for people to make games just for the sake of, I have this passion. This mm-hmm. would be a really fucking cool thing. And I made it, and other people shared in my joy and passion. Yeah. Undertale. Uh-huh. And all the other games I like. <laughs> Only my games are good. Right. It's the craftsmanship of it. It's like you can't you thing. can't let go of the game because to you it's not complete. It's not done. There are tons of things that I do not like necessarily because it's just not how I'm wired. But I can appreciate when it's fucking made well. Yeah. And you don't need to be an expert in the space to be like, oh, dear God, that's actually, that's really gorgeous. That's beautiful. Yeah. You spend a lot of time and care put into this. Yeah. You can and if you want to make money top. off of it, more power to you. I'll definitely buy, like I have... Uh, points to the other corner of the room. <laughs> yeah. um, I showed you the the wood thing, I, the wood etching I got from Etsy. Uh-huh. That was definitely laser cut. 
no human is that perfect uh-huh. but it's gorgeous and the craftsmanship i really love mm-hmm. um so it's likely i might get other stuff from that vendor because they have an awesome product yeah and it stands on its own and i'm fine if you add microtransactions in some ways that are cosmetic and might further player experience mm-hmm. um because maybe you just want to like look cool while you're doing cool shit that's fine um as long as it's not done in a predatory fashion right as it's not pay to win just yeah. cosmetic <laughs> yeah as as recent you know news <laughs> uh it's better when things are not done in a predatory fashion <laughs> yeah <laughs> um it's been interesting and, 2019 <laughs> yeah we'll also uh i i think we'll always have a soft spot for for that noble path those developers that do just with ridiculous levels of dedication and honestly nonsense continue to release updates for the games that we care about and then charges nothing for them good on you i wish more people could sustain that and honestly thank you stardew right. value for multiplayer like yeah. a year or two after the launch just like yeah let's just add it to the game let's just rewrite it they developed they brought in one developer <laughs> they're just like this is the multiplayer guy <laughs> so i'm sure he had a fun time <laughs> he just rubs two copies of the game together <laughs> and multiplayer <laughs> but they they probably funded that a little bit because it came out on the switch which is a good idea yeah so any other thoughts on the the space of games as a service. I think we've, this is pretty much, I think we could just take like the transcript of this podcast and actually upload it to Wikipedia instead of the opposite, which is usually what we go to. We just copy things from Wikipedia. We're like, <laughs> let's read this verbatim. <laughs> just imagining, you know, like the, uh, uh, how many steps to get back to, um, was it Hitler on, on Wikipedia? Like oh, following yeah. the links up at the top. How many links, how many links to Hitler? Um, variation of the kevin bacon game for sure right <laughs> we're just reading consecutive wikipedia articles until <laughs> it's a very different podcast <laughs> i just keep doing control f hitler for some reason <laughs> oh man but yeah that's games as a service i think we pretty well covered our opinions on it curious what your guys's opinions are if you have those feel free to send them in at soapstonepodcast at gmail.com or Drop them on Facebook, facebook.com slash soapstonepodcast. We are always happy to hear from listeners. And if you have any ideas, you know, send those in as well. Seriously, um, we do like and appreciate any type of feedback, whether it's on the episode, whether it's your experience on the topic or your comments on that. Or, hey, if you don't hate it, um, just throw us a like. Yeah. To let us know that you listened or that you didn't listen, but... You appreciate that we try. Right, exactly. Well, the trick is, if they threw us the like, does that mean they got this far in the podcast? I feel like that would count as listening at this point. I feel like they they see that there's a post. And they like it. They just, they might like it and not listen to it. Yeah. That's... But if you did listen this far, you better press the like button. Yeah, also, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, until next time, we'll see you in the next one.